Hello, everybody, and welcome. Um, my name is Shelley McEnroy, and I'm a transformational mindset coach. And uh, we're so happy you could be here and take time out of your day to watch or listen to us as we delve into the first part of our series on self-love, our greatest gift. Um, and of course, before we begin, uh, it's really important that I introduce to you our co-host today, Elizabeth Hoxter, and I'll let Elizabeth tell you a little bit about herself. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Um, yes, I'm Elizabeth Hoxter. Uh, I am a leadership life transition and resilience coach uh, and very much uh, looking forward to getting into this subject. So, Shelley, I'll pass it back to you. Okay. Well, Today, the first thing we wanted to talk about, well, actually the, the topic of today is anxiety and loneliness. And the first thing we wanted to do is to define anxiety. Where, where does it come from? What is it? Um, can you speak to that, Liz? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, especially these days with uh, with the COVID-19 lockdowns that have been rolling across Canada and across pretty much every country in the world. Uh, these are really important subjects for us to spend some time on. And we do hope that, uh, that these are going to be really helpful to you after spending this time with us. So in terms of the whole anxiety and loneliness piece, I'm going to focus more on the anxiety side of things with this. And uh, certainly, and Shelley's going to spend some more time focusing on the loneliness side of this. So um, what is anxiety? So I thought I would start with a little snippet from a, an anonymous quote, uh, which I think explains quite well uh, what anxiety really is. So living with anxiety is like being followed by a voice. It knows all your insecurities and it uses them against you. It can get you to the point when it is the loudest voice in the room. So that was uh, um, an anonymous piece, and I thought that that was a really good way to describe how those folks that are living with anxiety feel on a regular basis. So, you know, in fact, there are a number of feelings and a number of physical symptoms that go along with anxiety. So in terms of feelings, um, and there are many, but some of the, the ones that, that are the most common across most individuals who have that anxiousness is a constant feeling of worry, that, that fear of the unknown and of a lot of things, in fact, a nervousness that occurs uh, around a lot of things in life. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because those uh, feelings are very much a normal reaction to stress. In fact, you know, stress is adaptive. And so when we look at that, what we're saying is that there are two types of stress. There's negative stress and positive stress. And the positive stress we call eustress. Um, and so you have stress and eustress. And these two things are, um, are, occur with all of us. 
Um, and it just comes down to how our, our systems and our bodies and our brains deal with that. And each individual is different. So, you know, normally speaking, any kind of stress brings on what we call the fight or flight response. So in that, that is essentially the connection to, uh, to the nervous system that in fact, um, moves all of our energy within the body away from the thinking processes and more towards let's get out of here. Uh, if we go back to the cavemen time, um, this is what kept us alive. And it was extremely adaptive at that time. And a lot of these, these feelings of worry and fear and nervousness are there to keep us alive. Um, they're there to, to really help the, the brain kick in and make it possible for us to run and for us to get away from these stimuli. So what we find with individuals who are experiencing anxiety is that that just doesn't let go. So what can happen is we just, we have so much stress that we end up constantly feeling like this. And we, ex we actually secrete a hormone called cortisol. And cortisol is, is actually a stress hormone that leads to all sorts of things, which are the health epidemics that we're living through right now. Things like, you know, belly fat and, you know, heart disease, et cetera. And there's a whole host of those. Diabetes. Diabetes, yes. And and all a lot of people actually have autoimmune disorders um, that come from overuse of the, of the hormone cortisol as well. Also, what you find is that when we're in this fight or flight response, we move away from the, the frontal cortex of the brain, which means we're coming away from the thinking part and moving into the amygdala, which is that get me out of here part in the brain. The other thing that we find is that a lot of individuals experience other physical symptoms like stomach pain, like insomnia, fatigue. Mm -hmm. We sweat sometimes when we're under stress. Um, we have headaches, pounding heartbeats, um, and nausea. That's a big one often. Uh, and, and of course, the muscle pain and that kind of thing. The other side of the nervous system is what we call the rest and digest system. And that's that piece that we need to kick in in order to control the fight or flight response. So that is when we get into our, 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 our questions, we move into our next question. And you'll see that we're going to talk a little bit more about how we can balance balance those two systems. So Shelley, tell me about, uh, about loneliness and, uh, and where, where you're going with that. Okay, well, um, loneliness is really our, our body's alarm system. It's telling us that something is wrong because we, as a species, are evolved to be with people in society, working together, solving problems together. It is literally a part of our survival. And without society, without uh, people, we, um, we regress, we, we do poorly. And, um, it, you know, when you feel lonely, it is a signal that something's missing and there's a social poverty happening, a state of mind that is disconnected and empty, isolated and feeling alone. And what's interesting is that Sometimes we can be with people and still feel lonely because we're not connected to them. We're not feeling purposeful with them. We're not feeling loved by them or, you know, connected to them in a real way. So 
uh, overcoming loneliness is, is quite a big job. It requires uh, self-reflection and self-awareness and a lot of inner work. And, and sometimes, you know, you have anxiety and loneliness, they become a loop. You know, they, they you know, things are happening in your life and perhaps something negative happens to you in a social setting and you go home and you feel uncomfortable and pretty soon you start feeling anxious about socializing with those people again and then you decide you don't want to go out and maybe you think you're funny looking or someone's going to make fun of you whatever it is pretty soon you're making up excuses as to why you don't want to go out and you start feeling anxious and you've actually created a loop you're so lonely but you're too anxious to do anything about it and sometimes we can't even recognize what's happening inside of us. It's a, um, a loss of confidence and a loss of self-esteem and a loss of believing in your own um, social value as a being, mm -hmm. right? So, um, but, but it's really important that we understand that we have the power to change it. We have the power. We just need to employ uh, the the methods, but you know, people people are are very different. You know, it could be your life circumstances can bring loneliness to you. Friends move away, people get married, have babies, new jobs, your kids leave home, someone you love passes away. Um, it, it, all of the there are so many different causes to loneliness, and and also, I guess, to anxiety. There's so many th different things that bring them on. So um, I think I'll pass it back to you and mm -hmm. um, ask you, what advice do you have for people that are uh, struggling with anxiety and loneliness? And how, how have you dealt with it throughout your life? And, and also... Well, I'll just let you take it from there. Mm -hmm, sure. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. So in terms of my own life and anxiety and, and loneliness, um, I started off life as a child with a lot of anxiety. And I know uh, at the time that my mom was a uh, child psychologist. That was what she did for a living. And she picked that up quite quickly and had me fairly quickly uh, getting involved in what we called back then relaxation tapes, which today we would call meditation, essentially. Um, and I started off most nights uh, putting on a relaxation tape, and it was my way to uh, you know, close down the brain, as I say, shut down the gerbil on the gerbil wheel in my brain that was going like this at the end of the day and, and move much more toward breathing and relaxing and allowing my body to actually rest. So that was something that I started off, you know, very early in life. Um, and then as time went on, I got involved with uh, outdoor pursuits of various kinds and outdoor sports. And I found that um, being outdoors with my horse, because I was an equestrian coach and rider, um, I spent much time with, with, with my horse and outdoors and so on. And that really does help to essentially dis 
disconnect you from the stress producers in your life. And what I used to say was, I would actually get into the car and leave my home, and I would see all the stress disappearing in the back of my window. And that was my way of saying, okay, it's gone. Now I'm going to focus on this. So it was a lot of compartmentalization. And I found that that compartmentalization really, really helped. And so I continued that throughout life. And, you know, I used to find, for example, I would compartmentalize home in the car on the way to work. And I would compartmentalize work in the car on the way home. And that was often my way of keeping the stress in the various component boxes so that when I went from one to the other, I could leave behind the other. So we didn't, I didn't end up with this kind of constant, you know, building of one stress on top of the other on top of the other, which I always felt helped quite a lot. Um, also, I would say um, getting involved a little bit later in life in, in yoga and in meditation, um, I didn't even realize the impact that was going to have. As a matter of fact, I was going to the gym and I happened to go to some yoga classes and I started to realize, wow, do I ever feel balanced when I was finished with those? And I think one of the things that's really important is when we talk about balancing the two sides of the nervous system, what yoga is actually built to do, and I didn't know this until I became a yoga instructor, is that yoga is actually there to balance the fight or flight response and the rest and digest response. So those two nervous systems come together and, and as they balance, a lot of those symptoms of anxiety, sometimes symptoms of depression, and also that loneliness that comes, they balance each other. And I started to feel very, very balanced. And I thought, wow, I'm under so much stress. Why am I feeling so balanced? And then suddenly I went, duh, it must be the yoga. And so, you know, the more I learn about it, the more I realize um, how great it is at that. The other thing that, um, that I did a long time ago is I avoid caffeine like the plague. And I did that for other reasons. But I must say that that really does impact my anxiety. When the caffeine goes into my system, I don't sleep for three days now because I've been off caffeine for over a decade. And I do find that all of those symptoms of anxiety, you know, the, the physical symptoms, the nausea, the shaking, all of these things just disappear when you remove the stimulants. So that was another small thing. And then in terms of the loneliness side, um, you know, pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone is not an easy task. And I know that it's much harder for some than for others. And I must say that, um, you know, taking that deep breath and being able to say, well, I have no idea how this is going to turn out, but I'm just going to take a deep breath and I'm going to take a leap of faith and see where it takes me has been really, really helpful with that. Because, you know, one could say, well, I should go and try X. You know, I want to take golf course, you know, um, but sometimes that comfort zone says, no, nah, I don't know what. And, and as Shelly mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, will I look funny? Will I swing funny? You know, all of these things. And what will that mean? And how will that feel if everybody's staring at me? Um, so, you know, those are things that are these stories that we create for ourselves. And, um, you know, what does that, what do we make that mean for us, right? And so being able to step back and say, you know what, sometimes I need to get out of the box. Sometimes I need to go try something new. And that might work and it might not. And if I'm ready to accept the fact that it might not work, 
then trying new is a lot more fun and getting out of the, con the comfort zone is a lot more fun. Um, and then the result of that is that learning and the growing and the constantly feeling like your mind is expanding as you learn and grow. And, you know, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's really hard. But if we just take that step, um, and sometimes there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of symptoms of that anxiety when we take that step. So it's important, I think, for all of us to be aware of that fact that really sometimes it takes us that step to realize that, you know what, we really can do it and we really can try something new. So those are some thoughts in terms of some of the strategies that I've tended to use. How about you, Shelley? What strategies have you tended to use over your lifetime? Well, um, I have to say honestly that I had struggled with anxiety from the very earliest age, but lived in a very different household um, where those kinds of things weren't really recognized. So I think that I was called high strung and um, it's something that I resented as a, as a kid, mm -hmm. but I had a few strategies of my own. I, I grew up in the country. Uh, we uh, lived uh, on a, an acreage, it's just 14 acres, but most of it is bush. Most of it is forest and there's a creek there. And I used to, uh, and actually I still go there all the time, uh, take off out the back door and head back into the woods for a long walk and just breathe in the fresh air and appreciate nature. I find nature very, very calming for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I suppose in a way, without even knowing it, it was a kind of form of meditation. Um, I was a huge reader as a kid and I read a lot um, and I, I, it opened up the world for me. I love to read. And because I lived in the country, sometimes there wasn't anyone to talk to. So, you know, I connected to characters in books and, and I realized that I had a lot of in common with, with other people that were out there in the world. And uh, I also wrote, I wrote a lot of poetry. I had a journal, I wrote in my journal all the time. And, you know, when I got old enough to be allowed to use the phone, I used the phone mm -hmm. a lot. I phoned my friends from school and I talked to my friends because they were my tribe. They were my friends. They were, you know, important to me. I, I skied as well. Um, and I spent a lot of time outside on my bike. So those kinds of things when I was younger. But when I got into my teens, my mid to late teens and my early 20s, I found I was struggling a lot more with anxiety. I was working, I was living in a city which I wasn't accustomed to. I was really struggling. And um, even though I had a couple of relationships where I actually lived with someone, the loneliness was very consuming for me. And I, I didn't like myself. I, I didn't like myself. And I, I thought I was ugly. I thought I was um, unlovable. I thought I was something, somebody that nobody would want. And um, finally, at the age of 29, I had to start really getting some help and examining my life. You know, I, I suddenly had a daughter. 
oh, wow, now I'm a mom. What am I going to do? So I had to find ways to, to, um, to really deal with it. And, you know, loneliness, if you spend too much time by yourself, you start being afraid to get outside. And I think that um, you need to acknowledge your feelings. You need to uh, engage in self-talk. Um, you need to, um, instead of feeling the feeling, you need to objectify that feeling, that emotion into understanding this is a problem you need to solve. That is your alarm system going off. Time to do some work. You need to find the cause of your loneliness. And you can say, oh, well, that's easy. I'm lonely because there's nobody for me to be with or because, you know, because I'm whatever. But there's usually a reason deeper down, deep down inside us. Sometimes we don't believe that we're valuable enough to socialize with. So, you know, we think we're not good enough. So then we avoid connecting with people. And and inadvertently, we chase people away. Mm -hmm. Someone might invite you to go out and they invite you 10, 15 times and you say no, they give up on you after a while. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Or you got hurt. You decided to take a chance and try and make a friend or try and make a connection that doesn't work. Then you're hurting and you're not going to try again. That's it. I'm not trying ever again. I give up. Or... Um, circumstances change in your life you move to a new town or um you know people that you're used to being with moved away went to university whatever it is um and maybe because you don't like yourself that much you might even be socializing with people that really aren't your kind of people and you might not even realizing it those relationships aren't fulfilling for you they're not giving you what you need. Um, so, and, and then, you know, so you, you have to nail that down and then take a deep breath, believe in yourself because you know you have the power to change this. So um, before I move on to discussing the actual strategies, do you have anything to add to what I said, Elizabeth? Wow. Um, you know, I agree with all of it. I think that, um, you know, that this, these are all things that we all live through, um, you know, and your point about not feeling enough, your point about whatever, whether it's we feel like we don't, we don't fit in, an, in a particular environment, or we're not enough, or yeah, we're, we're whatever, we're ugly, we're fat, we're this, we're that. And we're very, very good at convincing ourselves that that is in fact the way it is and you know in, in as coaches we we also have to constantly step back and ask ourselves where are we in terms of how we feel about ourselves yes. and it's a conscious daily weekly monthly approach where we have to remind ourselves what we have to offer uh, to the world around us and I think that that's that's really important Shelley and you've really you've really brought that out really well yes so thank you and and also when you were explaining how the brain functions mm -hmm. you know over time, you know, these patterns of believing that we're not valuable, that we're ugly, that we're fat, whatever it is, they 
they kind of embed themselves in that primal brain. And mm. then you have these um, neurological firing of the story that is incorrect. It's not true. And so we need to take baby steps to find our way out of that. And it does take time to retrain your brain. So um, I'm just going to make a few suggestions here. Uh, one of the things is getting a journal and really take time to reflect on your thoughts by writing them down. Think about the things that you're grateful for. And um, I can attest that this works. Mm -hmm. So oh, yeah. um, it yeah. really does. And I, I had journaled all the time as a kid. I had my little diary and I would write things out, but I kind of gave it up for a long time. After I caught my dad reading my, my diary, I was, <laughs> I was uh <-huh. laughs> largely offended and wounded that he would do that to me. So then I stopped writing. And then I started again after my daughter was born and I was writing poetry and loving it. And then one day I just stopped. And then a mm -hmm. couple of months ago, I thought, you know, I've got to, I've got to walk the talk or, you know, do mm -hmm. what I do, what I encourage others to do. And I, I went and I bought a journal and I had bought one the year before and mm -hmm. promptly used it for something else. So I sat down and I started using this journal. And the other day I woke up in a foul state of mind and I started writing down, you know, what was bothering me. I wrote that down. And I allowed myself three sentences. And then I started writing down the things I was grateful for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was grateful for my life and my home and my friends and my family and, you know, all kinds of things. And I went way past writing down the three things that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And when I finished writing, I had a big smile on my face. It really does work. So journaling can help change the way that you're thinking, change your, your perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you have to believe that this loneliness is temporary. You need to change your perspective. Um, treat loneliness as a problem you're going to solve. It's a kind of metacognition where you think about what you're thinking and recognize um, that the negativity is just thoughts. They're just mm -hmm. beliefs that can be changed. They're not true stories. Mm -hmm. um, and start small. If you're really afraid to go out, don't go big. Just go for a walk. I would stop in at the com local convenience store, uh, wave to the neighbor. Uh, just small bits of communication have been shown in research to be really valuable to rebuilding ourselves after we've had a difficult time with loneliness. Um, uh, go to the library, get some help from the librarian, uh, talk to people, be part of the world, practice self-care you know, eat well, exercise, join a yoga class. I know that um, Liz runs a yoga class that I've been yes, wanting to take part in. Um, go get your hair done, talk with your hairdresser. I know that it's a little difficult these days with COVID. Um, maybe get involved in some art. Um, and let's see what else, ah, the most critical thing rebuild your tribe 
you know, reach out to an old friend. Lots of times we think that those people have forgotten us, but it may be that they think we've forgotten them or they may be also struggling. So lots of times making that reconnection, however small, send them a text message, make a quick phone call, send them an email and start rebuilding those friendships that you've let slip. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and don't take those things that happen that are negative personally. Don't take mm -hmm. them personally. Seek mm -hmm. positive relationships with others and surround yourself when you can with positive people. Smile at people and you'll be amazed what happens. People smile mm -hmm. back. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, you must banish the inner critic. We're always so much harder on ourselves than the people around us absolutely you know um now remember that the funny little things the quirks that you have and the strange little habits that you have those are what makes us us those are the things about yourself you should celebrate because they make us unique. And that's what people love about us. Um, now, I was just going to ask you if you had some specific advice about COVID before I talk about COVID. And um, I make a few comments on, on the COVID situation. Sure. Um, just before I get to the COVID piece, though, I think I want to add to all those great strategies that you've just laid out for folks um, and just touch on what happens when we're going through chronic illness or, uh, or any illness of any kind, really. Um, I, I come to us with a lot of experience here, and I think that that often changes how we see the world. And there are some things that the spe specific things that come into play when we're ill, um, and whether that's acutely ill or whether we're disabled or whether we're dealing with chronic illness, um, you know, there's a lot of worry about that and about the future and will there be one and, you know, am I, am I really going to make it? And these are things that really lead to a lot of anxiety and, and that feeling of loneliness, especially if you can't keep up all your regular activities, you know, and you can't keep up those things that you do outside of the home uh, because you're not well. And there's a sense there that, that comes, which is that sense of shame. Uh, you know, what is wrong with me? And why did this happen to me? Why me? You hear people say this all the time. Um, and then that leads to deeper feelings of inability to, um, you know, to be enough for oneself. Um, and, you know, that really kind of sits over your whole being when you're going through something like that. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that is most important there is, um, you know, it's easy to say positive thinking, but it's very hard to do when you're not well. And, uh, but there are things I think we just need to uh, realize, as Shelley mentioned, we need to celebrate who we are. And that means we need to celebrate who we are, even if we're not well. And we need to keep saying, you know what, um, you know, I'm still this great person. I'm just this great person who has, happens to have this problem. 
And in my case, it was kidney failure and transplant. Uh, so, you know, through that period, you start feeling very ashamed of who you are. And then you worry about how your family is going to support, going to deal with things if things don't go the way you hope they are, and you're going to survive and all of those things. So I think that's really important. Also, uh, in this, the other thing that always helped me was this concept of reverence. Um, there is another power, what, however you see that, whether you see it as the universe around us, whether you see it as energy, or whether you have higher powers that you work with, talk to, whatever, um, you know, that is critical in us being able to move past the, those senses of anxiety um, and just be able to place in those, in out to the universe or with that power, um, you know, what is going to happen. And sometimes we have to just truly surrender to what is going to come because if we don't do that we fight and as we fight we lose the energy that we need to get better regardless of what our issue is whether it's you know physical or mental it's all in that same context and then finally just to add live a life of love and when you're not well that's very very hard to do but I have a friend who spent who says her entire mission in the world is about love and so when she ministers to people around her, and I use that word loosely, but because for her, you know, spirituality is all about loving others. And when she writes to anyone, business, personal, she always ends with love and her name. And I think that that's, you know, if we, if we start practicing some of those things along with the journaling and all of those other great ideas that Shelley has put forward, um, that I think we're, you know, we're, we're much better uh, for that. Um, so just some thoughts on that. Um, so, uh, Shelly, did you want to add anything on that or shall we move on? Um, you said it all. You really did say it all there. And I know that you have, um, that personal experience to speak to that issue. Um, and I, I think also with respect to our elderly folks now, um, who I actually remember my mom really struggling when she started to lose her health in her later life mm -hmm. because she wasn't able to do the things that she loved to do anymore. And that meant that she lost a lot of her social circle. And um, yet, if I could only go back and tell her what I know now, but yeah, uh, yeah but I, I can't. I watched it and I saw what was happening and I did my best to support her but you know we must really act with love when it comes to um the people in our lives who as they get older or they have health problems um to to exercise our love and and make sure they know that they're still valuable to us they still matter and and try to make them a role in our lives absolutely yeah, and I think on the COVID side of things, you know, where all of these strategies are, they all apply to living in these COVID times. The difference is we do things by Zoom, you know, as opposed to that getting together. It's taking that time. You know, when you're going back and forth with someone and, and they say, hey, we should get together. Yeah, we should. And, and, you know, when before COVID, we just did that. But today, what's wrong with saying, how about Wednesday night at seven? Grab a cup of coffee or tea or a drink or whatever, a glass of water, and just have a Zoom with somebody and catch up. 
actually one of the ladies that I know gets together every Friday night with all of her buddies. Mm -hmm. And I think she lives in your area, actually. And they Mm -hmm. all have a glass of wine together. Yeah. And, and they celebrate together, even though it's not, you know, it's not what they used to do before COVID. They still get to get together and have fun and tell jokes and, Mm -hmm. and, and have a few laughs. I think that's really important. And, you know, when it comes to COVID, we're kind of engineering our way, pioneering in a new planet almost. We don't really know what's coming. We're Mm -hmm. all working hard to understand the implications, um, economic and social, uh, emotional health, uh, our mental well-being, our work world, Everything is changing and it's a time of extreme self-care because mm-hmm. we don't have the stability that we're comfortable with. And in, in the beginning, we were also, uh, we were all really up. We did everything that we were supposed to do. Um, yeah. You know, we were enthusiastic. We took up projects. We finished things we weren't able to do before. Um, and we, life kept happening and we kept purposeful involvement But now it's 14 months later, or even a little more than that, and people are starting to struggle. And I was reading an article the other day about, uh, they've come up with a new term for this. Apparently they're calling it languishing. We're (laughs) we're We're not unhappy and we're not sick. We're just kind of not, we're not really happy and we're not really healthy. We're just kind of floating along and waiting to see what happens. So we have to really focus on paying attention to how we're feeling and and recognize that others are going through something very similar. You know, we might not be depressed, but we're just not, it's just not our usual, uh, the usual life that we're accustomed to. We're missing that life that we took for granted before COVID came. So we need to get the flow back to feel like we're making some progress. Um, um, The feeling of moving forward, um, purposeful involvement in things. And and people are also doing strange things like they Netflix binge and they, they stay up really late because they couldn't do what they wanted during the day. Um, So focus on small goals. Um, block out specific periods of time for yourself to do what you plan to do. And, and yeah, put all those strategies into play, take an online course um, Mm -hmm. and, and do things that you haven't done before. Take a risk and Mm -hmm. try and get out there, rebuild your tribe, have fun, celebrate yourself. And the worst thing that you can do is nothing. When you're feeling lonely, the best thing you can do is try something to help yourself and reach out. Reach out and chances are that you're going to find out someone else is is struggling too. And they'll know exactly how you're feeling and Mm -hmm. you can connect to someone else. And practicing self-love is so important and self-care. And I honestly think that we're all in this together, you know, and you've said it so aptly, you know, it's just different. And, 
yeah, none of us are at 100% given all that we've seen and all that we've been through. And there are many of us that are that are actually mourning too. So, um, you know, that's, that's an, another really challenging piece here. Um, is you know when you're going through that you feel like no one no one understands and we do and you know if you do find that you need to talk to someone um you know there are there are supports out there and coaches are one of those supports uh for those individuals who really feel like they just they need that time with someone so consider that too um as we languish through hopefully the last wave hopefully <laughs> yes we hope so so um did we have anything else to say beyond letting our listeners and watchers know how to reach us i don't think so so um you can reach me at elizabeth hoxter at gmail.com and also on my facebook business page at elizabeth hoxter coach for um, life transition and resilience and leadership. Um, so how about you, Shelly? Um, you can reach me at, um, my email is Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y, the number four, Shelly, for positivity. You know what? I don't know it. Shelly, for perfect positivity at gmail.com. Awesome. <laughs> and... And um, I do have a business page. If you look up my name, you will find me, Shelly McEnroy. It's, it's under Women's Transformational Mindset Coach. So Awesome. Okay. So, uh, so we want to thank you very much for spending the time with us today. And we have lots of other great ideas. And uh, please look out for our next episode. Uh, which will be which will be coming in the not too distant future, and uh, certainly always feel free to send us feedback. Uh, if there's an area that you would really like us to spend some time and energy on, please feel free to contact one of us or both of us, and we'd certainly be happy to focus on that. Shelley, do you have any final words before we say goodbye to our folks today? No, just thanks everyone for listening, and thank you, Liz, for a wonderful session. That was great, and you too, Shelley. All the best. Take okay. care, folks. Take care. Bye.